Well, there's no problem. If you had a gun, shoot him in the head. Welcome back to another episode of Stogie from the Road. I am your faithful trucking servant, Stogie the Trucker, joined by my loyal, one-eyed trucking wonder dog, Bonnie. Here we will address the real issues that we as not only truckers deal with, but what we, as living and breathing human beings, endure day after day. We are all in this together, folks. So sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode Stogie from the Road. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I told you I'd be back. I wasn't fooling with you. I was being serious. I'm back. I'm excited about it. I got a lot of great stuff to talk about. I'm really, really excited about this rebirth of me because it's the authentic version of me. It's really, really taxing when you have to pretend that you're something that you're not and do things that kind of hinder and put kind of a governor or a hamper on on who you are as a person. In the midst of all the trials and tribulations of my life as I spent the last week and a half bemoaning on why me, oh God, why me, man, how the fuck am I surprised? This is the story of my life. I watched an interview with Jesse James and Jesse James said, I had a perfect life. I had a perfect life worked hard, successful, blah, 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 and then I go out and I bang some stripper, and then bada-bing, bada-boom, and you just sit there and go, why the fuck do I do what I do? So I got to thinking about, let's go back in time a little bit. Let's think back about your childhood. And I was thinking about my childhood, and I'm like, whew, this is like par for the course, man. And I kind of got a chuckle out of it, because I started thinking about some of the stupid shit I used to do when I was a kid. And I thought I'd share some of that with you. Like I said in my last podcast, I'm going to be kind of an open book. And when I mean kind of, I mean a lot, a lot. I'm going to be an open book. And we're going to go all the way back in time. Back to little New Bremen, Ohio. New Bremen, Ohio. A little rural town with one and a half cops and two and a half stoplights. And quaint little little town that the mantra of that town is... What are your neighbors going to think? Everybody's going to talk. Everybody's going to everybody's going to judge you. It's a great little town, but my god, you got any overdue library books, everybody and their nana knows about it. And uh well, let's just put it this way. Little Sean aka Dennis the Menace gave him plenty to talk about as a kid, so and I was thinking back, like, you know, the stupid shit I used to do. One time I was, uh, I used to watch a lot of cartoons. This may as come as a shock to you. I used to watch a lot of cartoons when I was a kid. Loved cartoons, loved Bugs Bunny and all that good shit. And imagine, if you will, being a neighbor lady. I lived in a little cul-de-sac out on Route 66. It was a little Route 66 outside of my town. And nothing but cornfields, and then bam, there's a little cul-de-sac. And that was where I lived, Shanverton Court, 
right there in in uh, New Bremen, Ohio. And neighbor lady was coming home from work. I think she was a bank teller. I'll uh, withhold the names here to protect the innocent. And uh, she was coming home from work, and we lived in this little blue ranch house. And I absolutely loved going on the roof. I didn't understand what the problem was. I was a freaking 10 years old. Leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. I climbed the TV antenna and I climbed up on the damn roof. Now imagine if you were just coming home from work and you saw a 10-year-old on the ranch, on your on the ranch house, on top of the roof, standing by the gutter, holding an umbrella, and right when you drive by, his dumb little chunky ass jumps off. Now, like I said, I used to watch a lot of cartoons. I was relatively convinced that I would have just went down and land ever so safely. Did you know that if you do that, you will almost certainly wind up planting both knees into your own forehead? I hit the ground so hard because I, I was a bit of a husky fella back then. I know. Shocking, huh? And I I hit the ground pretty hard. Wound up kneeing myself right in the face. She came to a screeching halt, come running up to me, asking me what in the blue fuck I was doing. And my answer was, as usual, I don't know. Starting to make sense yet, folks? The list could go on and on and on. There was another time down the road from this little subdivision there was a bowling alley and in this little town where I lived um, that that bowling alley was the end all and be all man you go there and you uh, <laughs> you go to this bowling alley that, that's your Friday night man you're going out and you're you're hitting the town I think I was ooh, 13 at the time yeah I think no 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 god no I wasn't 13 I think it was 11 or 12. Still, that's besides the point. At the end of the day, I was old enough to have one of the most glorious mullets you have ever seen. I was the Fabio of New Bremen, Ohio. And I was in the bathroom, getting ready to hit the town, going out to see the ladies. And I was blow-drying my mullet in the bathroom fluffing it up, getting it to look as full and as luxurious as humanly possible. Got the brush, got the hair dryer, and I am working that baby, and we're almost to perfection. Well, I hear a crash in the garage. If you know how a ranch house is, you go down the hallway, through the kitchen, through the side door, and you go into the garage, and you got the garage door in the front, the little man door in the back. Garage door was closed. Well, there was this Jack Russell Terrier. This god-awful Jack Russell Terrier that was the bane of my existence in my garage. This dog, day after day after day, would tear open the garbage. My ass had to clean it up every time. I would fantasize about getting this dog. I wanted, ooh, I wanted to just get after this dog. I heard that crash in the garage and I was like, son of a bitch! drop the hair dryer, run out to the garage, and I see him. I'm like, oh, I got you. He's by the front garage door. I'm like, all right, buddy, I got you. So I shut the back man door, and now you're pinned, pal. 
dog looks at me, looks at the door on the side of the garage leading in the house, and pew! He's inside the house. All right, you son of a bitch, now I really got you. Now you're in my house. You just entered the Thunderdome. So I chase this thing around, and it is like a freaking episode of the Three Stooges. I'm flipping chairs. I'm running down the hallway. I'm throwing potted plants. I'm getting this son of a bitch. And guess where I corner him? You guessed it. The bathroom. So finally, it's a showdown. He's over against the wall. There's no way out, buddy. You're going to pay for all that you've done. All those cans and paper towels and crap you tore up that I had to pick up. You've ruined my evening. You're going to pay. So in a fit of rage, I run to this freaking dog and I grab him. And I'm just like, I hate you, I hate you. And I don't know what to do with him. So I grab the hair dryer. And I just hold the hair dryer on him. I'm like, oh, I just, I swear I could shoot you with a hair dryer right now, but there's no bullets in it. And the dog is squirming and squirming. I pull the hair dryer off. And there it is on its rib cage. I held it there too long. On that white fur, I branded that dog with a hair dryer. There was a perfect circle with little squiggly lines from the little little things in the hairdryer. Oh no, I'm a dead man. In my mind, at that time, I was relatively convinced that the FBI would be called, a forensics team would show up, and they would match up all the neighborhood hairdryers to this mark on this dog. I would be pulled into a police lineup and shot on sight for animal cruelty. I felt terrible. I was riddled with remorse. And what I mean by riddled with remorse, I was shit in my pants because I knew my dad would kill me. So I go and think, all right, it's got white fur. What do we have? I'm going to paint the dog. Yeah, we're going to paint the dog. So I got in the garage. I'm holding this squirming ass Jack Russell Terrier. Can't find any white paint. Dad'll kill me if I get into the paint anyway. All we got is like burgundy and stain. I can't stain the dog because then the dog would just be brown. Maybe I could turn the dog brown. Nobody would notice. Nah, that's not going to work. So I go in the kitchen. Do we have anything in the kitchen that's white? Do I sprinkle it with flour? Nah, that'll come off. What am I going to do? I open up the refrigerator. And there it is. It's a jar of Miracle Whip. Yeah. It'll spread evenly. Coat the hair. We'll be good. Well, you start fussing with Miracle Whip, what do you need? You need a butter knife. So I grab a butter knife, I grab the jar of Miracle Whip, I sit down on the floor with the dog, and I hold it down between my legs. I'm sitting there with his dog between my legs, and I'm just taking such care to evenly apply this Miracle Whip to this dog's side. Hell, it's Miracle Whip. It's cool. It's soothing. If I hurt the dog at all, maybe this might feel better. I'm doing this dog a service. You're welcome, you garbage-tearing jackass. 
So I'm sitting there and I'm spreading the Miracle Whip on there and I'm, I'm in the zone, man. I am almost home free. I'm about to set you free to where you can go around and frolic in other people's garbage and leave me the fuck alone. And as I'm sitting there doing that, I hear, What in the fuck? And I look up. Dad came home early. I'm like, <gasps> Dad's looking at me with just utter fucking astonishment, amazement, bewildered. What in the fuck are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. What are you doing? Why, why the fuck are you putting mayonnaise on the door? I don't know. I don't want to admit to it. If he finds out that I branded the dog with a hairdryer, I'm a dead man. It's a certainty. I'm like, I don't know. You don't fucking know. God dang it. Opens up the front door. Sends the dog on its way. Picks me up on my arm. Drags me down the hallway. Throws me in my room. He's like, you're not going anywhere tonight. I'm like, what are you doing home so early? I got let off work early. My night is ruined. I'm going nowhere. All that work on my mullet. For nothing. Well, that was the least of my worries, folks. I spent the better part of a year and a half trying to convince my father that I was not under no circumstances. And man, do I mean it, Dad. I was not planning on eating that dog. He was convinced I was planning on eating the dog. He thought I was some sick, Satanist son of a bitch that was planning on eating the dog. I was just absolutely at wit's end. I, I've never been on the verge of, of telling the truth so badly in my life, but I was so afraid to tell my dad that I burned the dog that I just sat there and took it. And frankly... If I was a betting man, I would say probably to this day, he still thinks I was planning on eating that dog. You see, folks, if you've met me and you knew all these stories and the things that happen from time to time with old Stogie the trucker, frankly, if you knew all this stuff, you'd think nothing of it. It's just par for the course. I could go on and on and on. Endless, endless follies in that tiny little town in Ohio. But I digress. So, let's talk about this. Let's talk about how we wind up getting all tied up in ourselves when we make a mistake and we wind up beating ourselves up. We beat ourselves up when we make a mistake, whether it's big or whether it's small. A mistake's a mistake. There's some people out there that'll make a mistake that cost companies billions of dollars. There's some people that work in a little service station that wind up costing the company a couple hundred bucks. There's kids that make mistakes that wind up necessitating a jar of Miracle Whip being thrown in the garbage that was just opened a couple days prior. But a mistake is a mistake. And you have to wind up kind of putting it all into perspective that, you know, we fail, we fall but we get back up. It's just it's just the way life is. But we get all wrapped up in the fact that, 
I am the only one who's made this mistake. I've spent the better part of, how old am I now? 46? Uh, let's see. 46 years I have spent beating myself up about the mistakes that I've made. However, due to the most recent events and some deep, deep reflection that caused me to delete Facebook and shut the world around me out and take some real time to think, it's just a mistake. You're just going to make mistakes. You're going to wreck that car. You're going to be late for work. You're going to crash the machine at work because you put a decimal point in the wrong spot. I used to be a machinist. I know exactly what that does, by the way, but that's a story for another day. It just happens. Embarrassment sets in. Remorse. Regret. And you wind up spending so much time obsessing upon the mistake that you made that you wind up burning up years, weeks, or months of your life just flogging yourself. It happens. But the thing is, and like I said in my most recent YouTube video, when you find yourself laying down on the ground, you'll realize how hard that ground is. And then you'll realize that ground isn't moving no matter how long you lay on it. The absolute certainty of prolonging that misery that you feel in that moment of failure is staying there. I always tell people that, you know, crying or sadness is cleansing. It's like taking a bath. But if you do it too long like staying in the bathtub. It goes from being cleansing to sitting in your own filth. And I'm not inclined to sit in my own filth. When all this stuff transpired and my uh, kerfuffle happened, the first thing I wanted to do was quit. Something so <laughs> many people wanted to see. Well, sorry about your luck, Chuck. Not gonna happen. I did not, I don't know, spend all of my entirety of my life enduring everything that I've endured that I will eventually unpack in all these podcasts just for somebody to say, I'm gonna kick the plug out of the wall on him and I'm gonna end his life. That's not gonna happen. It is not gonna happen because I'm more comfortable dying before laying down and dying. I subscribe to dying on E, as one of my dear friends says. It is your obligation to die on E. To crawl out of this life, not to walk. Lay it all out on the table, do everything you possibly can. I saw a Netflix special recently with John Mulaney. John Mulaney is a brilliant comedian and suffered a pretty embarrassing cocaine addiction. He was addicted to cocaine, Adderall, Klonopin, and a plethora of other pharmaceuticals. And he devoted the entirety of his newest Netflix comedy special to regaling his follies, if you will. And it was great. You found yourself rooting for him at the end. And you wouldn't have 
if he would have went through all of that and then just hid. A lot of people thought I was hiding after everything transpired, okay? That is not the case whatsoever. I shut down the entire world to make sense out of my own thoughts, to make sense out of how I got here. That's what I've been doing that for years, folks. Years and years. I'm, I told you in my last podcast, I did time in prison. I had to do two separate times in prison because they let me out early, put me on probation, I took off, and they had to put me back in there to teach me a lesson. I did everything the hard way. So I, I want to say mastered the art of the acceptance of my reality when things happen and then stopping and putting things into perspective. Now, granted, there are phases of it and the initial phases are sadness, remorse, wanting to give up, throw your hands in the air. That's a normal thing. That is absolutely a normal thing. When you go through adversity, you want to throw your fucking hands in the air and say, I quit. I'm going home. I can't do this anymore. And then the next thing you know, lo and behold, you're like, no, I'm doing it. And then you go through something again. You're like, well, I did it before. I guess I can do it again. You know, and I, I talked to some very, very close friends and they said, and then the, the thing was, it's all the same. The people that I know and trust, though, you know, all you real friends that stuck around and didn't head for them dar hills when things got a little sticky. Um, they all said the same thing. Own that shit. Step the fuck forward and move the fuck on. One being my boss. Shit happens. Get up. You gonna sit there and feel sorry for yourself? Business as usual. Stand up and keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I think I will. I think I will get up. You know what? Because in that John Mulaney skit, he said something so paramount. So incredibly poignant. I used to care what people think about me. Bothered me a lot. Now I don't. Now I don't at all. Because you can't do anything that I'm obviously not willing to do to myself or haven't done to myself. He said, you want to make fun of me? Hell. I'll kill that guy. And I almost did with his addiction. For those of you out there that threatened to ruin me, why are you threatening me? I did it to myself. You have no power over me. Obviously, you're going to try. That's fine. I don't give a shit. I'll still keep coming back. I'll come back, and I'll come back, and I'll come back. My suggestion is, you go your way, and I'll go mine, and everything will be Gucci. But, I'm prepared for the latter. Um, but I digress. The You have to just sit and understand that these are all just things, and eventually, eventually we're all going to leave here anyway. Not a damn one of us gets out of here alive. The goalpost is always moving in this life of ours. It is always moving. You are never, ever, ever going to be satisfied. You're always going to want more, bigger, better, faster. 
it's not about that. It's about the joy along the way. It's about the journey. This week, I discovered that it's not about the success that I am clawing and gnashing my teeth to achieve. It's about me enjoying the ride along the way. If you were to ask me right now, what success are you looking for, Sean? In my latest video, I ended it with saying, I will achieve the success I've always dreamed of. Do you know what I mean by that? From now until I take my dying breath, I want to be happy. I want to enjoy the ride. Ten minutes ago, I was laying on my stomach on that old brown shag carpet, feeling the sun coming through the window, the lace curtains blowing in the breeze, feeling the warmth of that carpet with all my G.I. Joes spread out in front of me. In the moment, just living in the moment like Bonnie does. And then 10 minutes later, I'm watching my first child be born and burying my mother. 10 minutes later, my youngest child, number five, is taking his first steps. 10 minutes later, I'm playing with my grandchild. Life goes by so, so, so fast. If you blink, you'll miss it. Isn't that what they always say? Keep your eyes peeled. If you blink, you'll miss it. If you get all wrapped up in the running of the errands and gotta be here and gotta make these appearances and gotta make that and gotta, gotta put on airs and gotta be the most successful trucker on the planet gotta have the most chrome gotta have the shiniest truck gotta have the fastest car gotta have the hottest spouse gotta have the biggest house you're gonna miss it what did Russell Simmons say about her? he used to have this massive massive McMansion and they asked him, what's it like to live in a house so big? And he said, simple. You can only sit your ass in one seat at a time. All I ever dreamed of when I got my CDL was having a hood. And then I get my dream truck. Taylor Transport made my dream come true. And I got that big, beautiful orange Peter built. And I remember falling into such a pit of depression. Because I was like, is this it? I wasn't fulfilled about the journey. I was always, always about the destination. I didn't enjoy the journey. So I was looking for more. So I put as much chrome on it as I could. Polished it up as much as I could. Still not enough. And I unpacked this in my last podcast. Not enough, not enough, not enough. The lack of fulfillment and who I was as a person without all of my possessions 
I am what I have, I am what I do, that stuff, the ego, nothing ever fulfilled me. It was an overwhelming sense of emptiness at that stage of my life to where I'm like, why, why am I not happy? Why the fuck am I not happy? I have everything I want. I mean, I go into the chrome shop and there's literally nothing else I can buy. Why am I not happy? I mean, it's, it's just one of those things. And then I have everything at the top of my game and the rug gets pulled out from underneath me. Shame and embarrassment. Ridicule and jokes. Watching people that I thought were my friends now are pointing their fingers and getting swept up in the crowd. Everybody's got their pitchforks and their torches and now oh, they're all going just get him, get him. All right, that's fine. Well, little known fact, we've been here before. Old Sogi's been here before. And he picks himself up and dusts himself off and winds up being successful. And next thing you know, everybody's your friend again. No, thank you. No, thank you. I think I'll pass. I don't think it's a good fit. There's always going to be something. And once you realize that there's always something like I am realizing now, and this is going to be a lifelong journey of me. And Once you realize there's always going to be something, you just kind of exhale and enjoy the ride. I don't speak in certainty here, folks. I'm not meaning it like that. I'm not meaning it like, well, Stogie knows everything. I'm not saying that. I am passing on to you right now what I'm learning right now and the next podcast might be a little different or 10 from now I'll be saying go back to episode 12 and delete it because I was full of shit but I'm relatively certain in the here and the now this is this is this feels right because it's completely unlike anything I've ever endured ever and this new reaction that I'm taking to it is totally different and I'm feeling gratification and satisfaction out of it. I'm finding that the pressure is easing up now. If you're a truck driver, my advice to you is to start really using your time wisely. One of the things that I did wrong in that truck was I found out that once everything transpired and I contemplated turning my keys in and just wrapping it up, which I'm not doing, I looked at my truck and I said, I wasted it. I had time. I had time when I was inside that truck to dig deep inside of me and say, all right, let's figure this out, buddy. But I didn't. I looked for validation and ego stroking elsewhere and I talked to other people and I dealt with their problems and didn't deal with my own and and on and on and on we go and I, I worried about public perception and 
optics and all that shit. Ah, it's a fucking waste of time. But it wasn't a waste of time. Because now I have something to go off of. Don't do it like that anymore. Get up. Try it again. Get back in the truck. Try again. Get back on the horse. Try it again. Get back up and try again. Relationships fail. Careers fail. Your truck will fail. You don't stay on the side of the road with a broke down truck, do you? When you find yourself in jeopardy of dying on the side of the road because you haven't had a meal in a few days, you start walking and you start searching and you start looking for a solution. When you find yourself stripped of everything, when everything falls apart, when all of your false confidence, safety net, ego, all that stuff that you pack every morning when you get up as your little survival kit for the day, when all of that falls to the side, because of adversity, you're left with your reflection in the mirror and the memories that you've left behind. Some are good, some are bad. How you made people feel. How you impacted people. And you're completely alone. Especially in times like this when you fail. You're completely alone. You have to listen to yourself. And have to ask yourself why you're here. And it is amazing how many answers you get when everything falls apart. I've talked to a couple friends during this whole ordeal and a lot of them are like, why don't you do this? And Why don't you do that? I'm like, I don't know. I know it doesn't make sense. I don't know. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? I have no idea. Holy shit, Sean. You're in your late 40s. 46 years old. And you're still using the same response that you used when your dad caught you Applying mayonnaise to a dog. Holy shit, Sean. Ha! Ah, you would think, out of everything that I've been through, I would come up with a new one. Nope, nope, still the old tried and true. No, I don't know. Old faithful. I don't know. Why'd you do this? Fuck if I know. I don't know. Dude, you got everything going for you. You're doing everything perfect. Everything was lined up. There's nothing but green lights. And then you fucked it all up. Why? I don't know. I just kind of did it. See, you all were surprised. I was living in a world of false confidence because I never did any real work in my life on myself. I thought I did. 
like real work, real work. And we'll talk about that later. I did some work, but not real work. I thought I had it all together. Realized I didn't know shit about shit. Hence why I'm doing this podcast. I'm not doing this podcast so you can follow follow me. I'm drive your ass right off the cliff if you do that shit. Don't fucking listen to me. As far as... I mean, let's just... Okay, you know what? Let's just put this out there right now. If you are looking to me for answers right now, you're a fucking moron. I'm not here to give you answers. I'm here to share my ordeal and what I go through and how I'm going through it to give you some sense of peace that you're not the only one if you're going through this shit. So please, please, all of you people out there that think that I'm grandstanding, acting like I'm the fucking Socrates of the trucking industry, that's not the case. I always compare that to uh, parenting. When I was 23 years old and a new father, I could have wrote the book on parenting. I'm 46 years old. They're all grown and out of the house right now. And I am stunned. I am baffled. I am bewildered. On how they survived. I had no fucking idea what I was doing. Most of their lives. I'll be honest with you. I'm surprised anybody would give me a puppy. Anyway. <sighs> so this is a lot. I'm just sharing my walk with you guys now. This fucking moron recently that did that video about me that I talked to recently about it. He's like, oh, you, these guys lies about everything. Lie, lie, lie. You ought to listen to his podcast. You ought to listen to his YouTube channel. <sighs> is it really all a lie? Or is it just I'm doing my thing? doing my thing the best way I know how being critiqued by people that are doing their thing the best way they know how it's interesting how that works isn't it and I'm guilty of it too I was guilty of it definitely it's a new day now but at least I'm doing it something that I know and I promised myself I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it. Something that I know, that I'm very proud of. And I'm going to share it with you. And this is going to be a rare occurrence where I'm sitting here bloviating about how I'm going to pat myself on the back on my own podcast. But do you have any idea what it takes to get humiliated on the public stage? And a week and a half later... Stand right back up and talk about it. The amount of fear that goes along with that. The amount of anxiety that goes along with that. The inner dialogue one has when they go through something like that and you get up and you dust yourself off and then you stand right back up in front of the crowd full of people laughing at you with your pants around your ankles and say I'm here to show up for work again do what I do do you realize how hard that is and then compare that to the people that are mocking you that would never do that 
think about that. Think about that before you post about me again. Think about that before you uh, take jabs at me. Go back in your Rolodex of shit you've done in your life. And ask yourself, did you run and hide or did you stand right out there in front of the town square and say, yeah, I did it. Yeah, folks, I did it. (laughs) And I will continue to tell these stories about all the things that I did. Because these podcasts aren't for you. A friend of mine told me the other day about my podcast, asked him what he thought. A couple of people told me the same thing. Some people are going to get it. Some people are going to get pissed off. Some people just, they'll get halfway through it and they'll just shut it off. But the people that need to get it will get it. And that's all that matters to me. That some driver sitting on the edge of his bunk, wiping the mud out of his eyes from falling down again, hears this and says, Ah, hell. Stogie can do it, so can I. Could be a guy or a girl. Could be a kid. Got a lot of young men that look to me for for guidance. There's a young man. I adore this kid. Old Nate. Such a great kid. Before this all popped off, I, I sent him one of my old belt buckles. I put it in the mail and I sent it out to him. Because I knew that kid, he loves trucking. He loves it. And I sent him the belt buckle. I think it was the next day, all hell breaks loose online. And I was just, I was devastated. One of the first things I thought about, because he was so excited, I told him he was getting it. And I was so sad. Because I was thinking now, he won't want to wear it. Instead of it being something he's proud of, he'd be embarrassed to wear it. And he sent me a Facebook message and he said, Stogie, hang in there. We all make mistakes. And I said, do me a favor, buddy. I'm going to get back up. Not today. But I'm going to get back up. And I want you to do me a favor. I want you to watch everything I do. Because I know I'm going to get back up. And I want you to use this someday to where when you fall, if you do, I hope you don't, but it's part of manhood, you're going to fall. I want you to use this as an example. I want you to watch a man fall. Own it. Get back up. And turn it around. I think about that kid every day. Every day. 
barely know him, just met him a couple times. Every single day. Because <sighs> if I let myself down, I let him down. And what could be the ripple effect of that? I don't know. could be nothing. I'm going to treat it like it's everything. So, yeah. We all make mistakes. But we get back up and try again. Get back on the horse. Give it another shot. All right, that's enough of that serious shit. I tell you what. We're going to go ahead and wrap this podcast up. We're at, what, about 45 minutes now? Usually they're about an hour, but I'm going to leave you with another young stogie story. Another one of those I don't know moments. This one's a doozy. So, one thing, if anybody has sons, they know this. If you just had a son, you're going to find this out. Young men absolutely love fire and explosions. I was obsessed with fireworks. And for some reason, I don't know how my dad got it, but he had a big brown paper sack in his closet of black cats bottle rockets I could not get enough of these things they were like crack I just could not stop folks I I was so powerless to going outside and blowing shit up with these things that I actually would go to church and pray for God to deliver me from my addiction of blowing shit up I'm not kidding grew up in a Catholic town and prayed about everything and uh, I just couldn't stop I was blowing G.I. Joe's up I was blowing my He-Man up I was blowing up my sister's Barbies up which was fun I don't regret that at all and uh, I just couldn't stop blowing shit up I actually built a graveyard in my sandbox with little sticks that I tied together as crosses for all the G.I. Joe's that I that lost their battle with Mr. Black Cat or bottle rocket up their ass but anyway, it came time to where Dad's stash was getting a little thin. I was in too deep. And I had to knock it off, or he'd notice. So I had to stop myself. One day I'm out in the garage and I'm just like, ah, damn it. What do I do? I need something. I learned how to make works bombs. Take the the works toilet bowl cleaner and the you know aluminum foil and blow up two liter bottles I tell you what them son of bitches sound like cannons I, we had the cops coming through the neighborhood a couple times because of my goofy ass but one day when I'm in the garage dad had this really nice workbench he was a good word worker and I saw uh, for some reason a Ziploc bag full of 22 shells huh they go boom when they come out of a gun 
What would happen if I hit one with a brick? So I go sit in the middle of the garage and I put the little bag of 22 shells in front of me and getting ready to smash one with a brick. And I'm like, oh, hold on a second. I know what a ricochet is. Safety first, folks. Let's open the garage door. We don't want anybody getting hurt. <laughs> so I open the garage door. And I proceed to smash a 22 shell with a brick. And it worked. Boom! Nice. I'm saving dad money. This is perfect. Do another one. Boom! I do another one. Nothing. Now there must be a dud. I do another one. Boom! Folks, I did so many, I got bored. I was like, that's enough. I'm going back inside and I'm going to go watch uh, Bugs Bunny clean up all the smashed casings and try to be smart about it and hide the brick. Sit down on the couch, make myself some SpaghettiOs, and I'm going to enjoy a life of leisure. Folks, my dad would leave for work about 2.30, 2.45 and come home about 11 o'clock at night. He was a machinist. And about 5.30, about an hour after my little shenanigans, my dad's 1970 Plymouth Fury 3 or whatever, an old big old red boat, comes to a very abrupt screeching halt in our gravel driveway. And I'm like, hmm, he's old Merle. What's all the hullabaloo about, Dad? He comes flying through the front door in his work uniform and his black horn rim safety glasses with the clear plastic shields on the side that he never wears. I never seen him wear them. He'd always wear them at work. With a look of absolute fury on his face. And he snatches me by my bowl haircut off that couch spaghettios go flying drags me out the front door through the front yard across the street into the neighbor's yard where my neighbor and his lovely elderly wife and my dad proceed to beat the ever living fuck out of me like I'm being jumped into a gang, folks. They're stomping me. They're kicking me. Dad is holding my head up by my hair while the old man is screaming at me, asking me questions, slapping me in the face when I say, I don't know. Folks, they were sitting at their kitchen table, getting ready to have dinner. He was drinking a cup of coffee. Little did they know that some little fat kid across the street in a t-shirt and shorts and bare feet was going through a bag of 22 shells in his garage. And I light their house up like a frickin' drive-by shooting. Folks, they had to flip the kitchen table and hide behind it. They were army crawling across the floor to get to safety it was a big ordeal 
and it ended very poorly for me. Because folks, yours truly spent the next four and a half years being that lovely couple's bitch. I learned all about cleaning gutters. I learned all about mulching. I learned all about digging a new garden. I learned all about how to mow a lawn ever so perfectly. That man taught me everything against my will. Folks, I have stories like these for days. Kind of some of the reason why I don't go home that much. <laughs> so, yeah. Why do I do what I do? Fuck if I know. Well, folks, that's about enough for today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Stogie from the Road. I hope you guys are subscribing. Share them if you can. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting me in spite of my goofy ass. It only gets better from here. And if it doesn't, let's just enjoy the ride anyway. Guys, I hope you're happy, healthy, loving and living life. Know that they fly, know that they ride or die I keep boys by my side, CJ I Now I gotta roll with ice No rush, go on me dumb Push and show me dumb Peace and love, center peace and gloves Now you gotta do a run up Generations caught up, look how things will switch People they're quick, now they wanna move out the bits Boy wanna throw to a bitch, nah Unless you heard it from me, and you ain't heard it from me Got it from me, all that energy extra They always see me with the hitters Ah, John, leaving the meanings alone Feelings involved. I, child, leaving the meanings alone. Me, we're squeezed. I'm getting hyped, bitch. She got that G, but she ain't know the way. She knew my face, she heard my name, pulled up and caught the wave. I'm feeling lonely, so I hope she stay. I'm confident when I'm drinking rain. I hope you get a taste. Despite being a stereotype, I'm up on the high. These niggas, they coming around, they trying to just fuck on my vibe. Playboy, like my name was caught. All my black barbies, they come around along me. It's like I got a heart. Ah, job, leaving the meanings alone. Feelings involved.